And it's unfortunate, but corruption and the mafia are still very much present, particularly where my novel is set in Calabria and also Sicily. The second stone suspense was partly in Sicily. And, you know, because they need the tourists, they tell you that isn't the case, but it is. Um, The the Undrigheta, which is the um, mafia clan that I write primarily about because they're so prevalent in Calabria, they now have a presence in 40 countries, including Eastern Canada. with me. He is sitting in the sun. He was again throwing his rope at me when I was doing yoga and uh, then I wasn't paying attention to him and then he started barking at me and it's really hard to get your zen on when you've got a dog barking at you because he wants to play. (laughs) Anyways, we played after. I, I, I got all connected with my myself, my spirit, feeling good. Today, I have a prolific, award-winning thriller author, Karen Dodd, on the podcast with me. Karen, and here's the other thing, Karen, I was so thrilled after reading your book. I thought, hold on, She's the president of Sisters in Crime. Maybe I should mention that too, right? So Karen Dodd is the president of the Sisters in Crime Canada West. I should mention that, Canada West. And as you could tell, I'm excited to talk to her about her novel, Everybody Knows. When I think of this book, I think of a sophisticated thriller. It is hard to put down. Um, I've been doing some other, I guess you could say, writing work with, um, I'm trying to say, I, it's, it's just some other work for another organization. And this was literally my treat book at the end of the day. I'd be like, okay, okay, I can, I can read Karen's book. Um, it's the first novel in a new series, the Nicolo Moretti crime thriller series, which is good because that means more is to come. Uh, This is her second series. Her first series was the Stone Suspense series. And both of the series take place 
in luxurious locations, Italy, Malta, just like fly away. It's, it's, it is so, you are there. Okay. And uh, so we're going to talk about our novel. We're going to talk about our blog. And I love this. We are going to talk about the prostitute pasta sauce. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. I'm so glad to talk about your book. Uh, thank you, Joanna. It's such an honor to be here. I'm really looking forward to this. Good, good. Now, the covers on all your novels, they're excellent. Kudos to your book designer. Thank you. It's actually two designers. The first two uh, I had recovered uh, after being out several years um, by Stuart Bache in the UK. And then unfortunately, I couldn't get him for Everybody Knows. And I've got a brilliant cover designer in the States. So um, yeah, I'm really, really, really pleased with them. It's great. It's great. And for people who, well, you'll see it on the podcast art, but it, you have the like European skyline with the dome and I'll just say a bomb has gone off and it is just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, something's causing flames. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so let's get this usual question out of the way. Can you give the listeners like a summary, um, you know, uh, a bit of a summary about what everybody knows is about? Mm, isn't that, that's a, such a great question. I find it harder to summarize the story than writing the whole darn book. <laughs> However, um, with with um, everybody knows, think large pharma scandal meets Italian mafia money laundering, right? It, it kind of makes the perfect storm. Um, so essentially, after a Maltese anti-corruption lawyer, Ariana Kaleja, was assassinated in Italy, um, Calabria's special prosecutor, Nicolo, and we call him Nico, but Nicolo Moretti, <laughs> he goes to Malta to investigate. And for him, there's a very personal connection because the night before Ariana is murdered, she tells him they have a son together. That's it's not a spoiler. It's in the blurb. Um, and what follows for Nico is a dangerous game to chase down her killers before he is murdered himself. Yeah. So I hope that rings true to what you read, um, Joanna. <laughs> it, it, it does. And for me, you know, you have the, like you said, the big pharma, you have, you know, the corruption. And what was neat is then there's the, um, like the family aspect of it. So it seemed more than, than a thriller. Like there's, there's the, the family dynamic to it as well. Yeah, it's interesting you should say that because an author that blurbed it for me, uh, who's quite well known, and she said, you know, it's it's also heartbreaking and a family uh, saga as well. And I hadn't, you know, I, I don't know that I actually even realized that till after it was written, that that was a fairly dominant part of the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's written in the third person. And right. I'm a person who writes in the first. And I, I was in it. I was in this book. And... Um, the hero, Nico, I like him. 
I think even at one point he refers to himself as having, like he's talking with someone and he refers to that he has a receding hairline, <laughs> you know, like he's so real, right? He's actually totally bald, shaved. Oh, okay. Yeah, like th- um, think a young Stanley Tucci. That's who, I don't see my characters in, you know, totally in the flesh, but I've always been really clear that he has that, um, probably the antithesis of what we would consider a 38 year old Italian male. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. 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 So you mentioned Stanley Cucci. Tucci? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. how did, how did you come up with Nico? Like, um, you know, I didn't see him when I started writing um, when I started writing that book, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fourth book. So the second one on that is with my editor right now. So I have to, I have to stop and think. (laughs) And I think I just, because the protagonist, the male protagonist, um, or what I should say the main, one of the main characters in my first two books, Giancarlo, um, he was very much the Italian, um, I'm talking with my hands. I know you're listening <laughs> but he was very much the typical, you know, Italian male with the testosterone and all of that stuff and handsome going on. And I, and I love him. I still do, but I think I wanted I think I wanted someone who kind of didn't fit the norm. And I think you might be going to ask me later about uh, something about diet and eating and all of that stuff. And that actually goes even further um, with, with Nico. I, and so, but because he's only 38, I'm like, okay, I love Stanley Tucci. I've been following his um, Italy and food tour on CNN and my husband just bought me his memoir. And, and so I think, I think somehow in there just started percolating and I actually make reference. I think it's in the book that's now with my editor that he actually, um, another character sees him as a young Stanley Tucci. So, yeah. So I hope Mr. Tucci won't take umbrage with it. Oh, that is sweet. Okay. See, Ozzy, just one. I'm just checking. He's trying to peek out between the blinds. Okay. Uh-oh. He's he's good now. Um, when I was reading this story, I was thinking about Dan Brown's stories. That's and that was a, such a treat. Like what I mean, Karen is. I remember I read the rich like the first two Da Vinci Code. Right. Yeah, I read them all. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, And I have been looking for another book like that. So that's why I say this was such a treat. Because I thought, yeah, and you get into emotions. And you get so much more, I shouldn't say this, <laughs> so much more into it. Okay, that's, yeah. So Thank you for that. I had another um, uh, reviewer actually say that and this one for some, well, I guess for a number of reasons, it has garnered more male readers and repeatedly I've gotten Dan Brown from my editor as well. And she's female um, and John Grisham, which is very interesting. So I'm honored. I'll take all of those. Yeah. That I get. Yeah. yeah. But it makes, it makes my genre a little difficult to pay because I call my, on my website, I say international intrigue and crime. Yeah. 
because, you know, it's clearly not domestic suspense or a lot of other labels. It, it's a little difficult for comp authors. So thank you for that. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, how did you get the inspiration for this story? Because it's <sighs> complex. Yeah. And I was wondering, what was the original what if? Right. Um, so usually always my stories are ripped from the headlines. Um, something about the event piques my interest. And then I generally fictionalize most of it um, from that one idea, often just to be on the legal side of not doing anything I shouldn't be doing. Um, and that was the case with my first two books in the Stone Suspense series. In the case of Everybody Knows, which has a whole new cast of characters, and by the way, um, I'll tell you more about it later, but book four, the one that's with my editor now, will join the two series together. But with this one, the idea came from a real life event that happened just months before I was actually in Malta. Um, However, I didn't know anything about it when I was there until I returned to Canada. And I was researching Malta for other reasons, which I think you might be going to ask me about. And I discovered that there was a real life um, investigative reporter uh, who who had been assassinated uh, by a car bomb. And so we can talk more about that if you like. But that was really that solidified it for me. It wasn't necessarily what I was going to talk about at the beginning of the book. Yeah. Well, well, let's go with that. The reporter. Um, now, what was her name? It was Daphne. Daphne uh, Caruana Galizia. So we'll just say Galizia because I have trouble with the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Women in Malta, as in Italy, often have their own. They have three names. Um, and so um, I didn't know anything about it, which is really interesting because in Valletta, the capital of Malta, um, and I guess it just had been torn down when I happened to be there that day, the citizens kept um, erecting a shrine to her, a makeshift shrine, and the government kept tearing it down. And then they would re-erect it again, the government, the street sweepers would take it down. And so I was in Valletta and there was no sign of that whatsoever. And this had happened. She had been killed um, in October. It was October 16th, 2017. And I was there in May of 2018. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And she was a fierce woman, an amazing woman, but I chose to fictionalize so much of this, including the fact that my protagonist, or actually I shouldn't say the protagonist, the woman that was killed in my, in Everybody Knows, I made her an, um, um, sorry, let me backtrack on that. I made Nico a prosecutor, an anti-corruption prosecutor. um, And I made, um, the the Ariana who was assassinated, I made her an anti-corruption lawyer in Malta. And the reason for that was I had been in touch with the with one of the sons. There were three grown sons and the father, the, the husband that were left after her death. And I'd had a bit of an exchange on Twitter, very positive, very supportive, lovely, lovely family. And I did not want to offend the family in any way. So I really, I even consulted my literary lawyer and I went out of my way to 
you know, even though that was the impetus for everybody knows, I didn't want it to be directly associated with her. And they were still trying to get justice three years later when I wrote that book. See, I never knew about it at all. Uh, And and you mention it, you do it very nicely and respectfully. You know, you you mentioned the incident. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought, did this really happen? You know, and then I Googled and her picture comes up and I just thought, why didn't I hear like where have I been under a rock people didn't even talk about it there and I desperately wanted to write her story but honestly her family and other nonfiction authors have taken up that ban and 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 they've done an amazing job good good yeah okay yeah because like I said um I felt uh, like I felt naive and I, but no, yeah. don't, okay. don't, not at all. Okay. No. Cause like I say, you would do it very respectfully and um, yeah. So you weave current events into the plot. Okay. And I, I love that. And it makes me think the reader, this could very well, well happen because it's just how you weave the fiction with the current events, but you are respectful with regards to the current events. And um, I was just wondering, uh, I know I like, I like weaving current events into the story to try to make the fiction part of it that much more believable. So I was wondering if that was the same for you or is there, or you were trying to uh, have the reader understand more um, government corruption, like the uh, theme of government corruption, corruption. Yeah, I think, I think um, a bit of both um, what you've mentioned, I guess it's two things and and it's kind of a double edged sword for me. Um, I simply love Italy and, and then I fell in love with Malta, although I've only been there once. Um, I've gone every couple of years to Italy before COVID. So I'd had to cancel my fourth or fifth time when COVID first hit um, to go to a different part of Italy. But, um, and I guess the second part of that, and it's unfortunate, but corruption and the mafia are still very much present, particularly where my novel is set in Calabria and also Sicily. The second stone suspense was partly in Sicily. And, you know, because they need the tourists, they tell you that isn't the case, but it is. Um, The the Undergeta, which is the um, mafia clan that I write primarily about because they're so prevalent in Calabria, they now have a presence in 40 countries, including Eastern Canada. The Undergeta's uh, net assets or worth is more than the entire GDP of Italy. So if any of your listeners are ever interested, there's a wonderful nonfiction book called, um, I think it's The Mothers. Um, I should have checked it for you. I can get it to you mm-hmm. after our, our, um, our chat. And it's it's a it's a weighty book, but it it talks in depth about the Undergeta, and it's the mothers and the wives who are starting to turn on their Undergeta family, oh, and wow. many many of them have been killed. 
It's a fabulous book by an American journalist. It's Alex something or other. And I'm so sorry. I should have had that ready, but I just thought it just popped into my mind. And if your listeners are interested, it's very, very interesting. So to answer your question, the long way is no, it's good. It is a passion, but it also fascinates me because that underbelly is totally still there. Wow. Totally still there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wow. got to get out. Right? I got to get out from under the rock. <laughs> no, don't feel that way because I think unless you're researching that subject, why would you know? Well, yeah. I remember when working at Nanaimo Crown Council, that was, and Victoria Crown Council, that was the eye opener for me where, you know, I grew up in Nanaimo and I never thought there was any heavy duty crime. Oh yeah. Oh, the and the under, oh yeah. You're right. And it's, uh, it, you, like you say underbelly, you realize yeah. there's this whole other level yeah. of, of stuff going down. Right? And that's what fascinates me. Yeah. You know, it's just that what if, as you said, yeah. and it just needs a, a little germ and I'm, I'm off and running with it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you found, okay, I'm I'm taking you off on a bit of a tangent here, that like I found the more you look into something, it's like the deeper you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was looking up for a first draft that I've been working on, and it had to do with um, racism and I don't want to say white supremacy, white supremacist. I'm sorry. I'm only halfway through my coffee, Karen. I usually can speak better. Okay. White supremacy. Okay. And only thing I did is I went on Amazon and I, cause I had learned through a spy podcast of different authors who had written about this topic. Okay. Yeah. And I go on Amazon and I'm like, really? And I'm looking up the author and these books start popping up. And now I'm scared. I'm just like, holy geez, right? Mm -hmm. And then what I didn't realize was then that shows up in your Amazon history that Mm -hmm. you looked up these books. I am like pulling up every romance I can think of, right? To get these books out of my history. Sweet romance. Because if people saw that on my Amazon, they would know it was a fake. <laughs> no disrespect to sweet romance authors. They're lovely. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, at one point, I considered going on the dark web. I didn't do it. Just so, just so you know, I did not yeah. do it. Yeah. Because that's a dangerous hole to go down, right? It's, it was, I, I couldn't believe how freaked out I was. Just because that's so not, that's not me. I don't believe yeah. in any of that. But it yeah. It was research for this novel that deals with racism. And I I was just, like I say, I listened to these spy podcasts. And when they were talking, this one, you could call her spy, had mentioned how she had gone to an event where there was this author who had written this book. And I thought, seriously? You know, so ah, anyways, I didn't mean to go down there. I didn't mean to go down. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. No. So let's bring it up to the, the, the <laughs> lighter, happier. Okay. And now my friend Carol Ann, who I found out I am her Saturday night entertainment. How's that for a fan? Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you are for a lot of people. And then um, 
Sunday, my sister Vlanyos handmade. I'm her her entertainment as she's in, as she's creating. Um, now, Caroline, cover your ears. Caroline loves loves rabbits, and we're going to talk about rabbits, Caroline, and rabbit livers. So, cover your ears for about five minutes, okay? Oh, so, <laughs> so, in the book, Nico, he's having dinner with another reporter, and she orders rabbit livers. Yeah, I, 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 again, never knew. I that was not something I was going to Google. I tell you, okay. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, Malta yeah. is very well known for rabbit. Um, really? Yeah, um, rabbit stew, rabbit on toast, like rabbit livers on toast. It's it's like it's like chicken in North America kind of thing. Um, but um, more than that, Nico Moretti is vegetarian, and so I couldn't help myself when I referred to little liverless bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> Even my UK editor loved it. <laughs> and I love bunnies too. But you know, I think about it. I mean, I, I love pate. I make chicken liver pate, but I guess it's not quite the same as bunnies. Sorry, Caroline. <laughs> you can come back. <laughs> but it was actually something I wanted to plant as well because there had been rabbits and hares running loose in uh, a in part of the book and um i'm sure you remember and um and then they um the the woman reporter that was eating these livers with gusto um is is um a bit of a fierce woman herself i think you'd agree yeah. so no spoilers <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was neat seeing nico being vegetarian and I like i said you're it's going against the stereotype, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? and, he, and he's watching her eat these and he's just like, oh, you know? Uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's what was so cool. Because um, I remember when I had started writing, I thought I could write a romance. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. And um, one of the, the, the feedback I got back from an editor was that, I needed to portray more of an alpha male. Okay, my my hero wasn't alpha enough. And I remember reading that. And now this is also going back to before Me Too. This is going back to 1999, early 2000s. Okay. And I remember thinking to myself, but I don't have any friends, guy friends, or my husband. He's not even alpha, alpha male. So how, like, I thought, those aren't the dudes I like, right? <laughs> well, and I think that's still very much a trope of yeah. the romance genre, totally. So yeah. I would probably have a hard time with that, too. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's why I, I liked Nico. You know, he oh he adopts a dog. And, is it Gabriella, the little dog? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he's vegetarian. I just thought, yes, you know, and there are times when you have the action and he's just, he's thinking, I, I, I can't keep up. Or, you know, I, I remember there was a chase scene where he just thought, like, 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 all, yeah, like he was coming in, in the, in the background, like behind. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I had to work on that a bit, actually, to be honest, in the developmental edit, because he was not strong enough. He didn't have enough agency. And so I'm really grateful to my editor for that. She definitely helped me make that book stronger. Good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, the location. Uh, (laughs) Carol Ann, you're going to love this. Carol Ann has gone back to Greece a number of times because her husband is Greek. And I remember she tell me how there'd be lemon trees just like on the street, which I just, I think is so beautiful. Um, Like you mentioned about going to Malta being your place. I, we used to go to Maui and it was just seeing the hibiscus just Mm -hmm. wild on the main drag there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And plumeria and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So what I like is you write about pomegranate and carob trees. And I, I, like I said, I just, when I think, oh my gosh, that must be beautiful. So talk to me about that setting. Well, for me, Joanna, I'm sure you, I, I hope you saw it when you read the book. It, for me, setting is like character. It, it, it really is. I would love to um, do a webinar or a seminar about that. I know there's other authors that that address that, but it really is um, like character for me. And I thought about writing something, um, you know, I live in a little seaside village on the West Coast. And of course I would change the name because there's only 1500 of us, but <laughs> I thought about, you know, wouldn't that be great to write? But I, again, it kind of starts to fall back into the domestic suspense or the cozy mystery again, which I love reading, but I don't know that I can write it. And so I think it's just always been that romanticism of where I wanted to spend more time, which was Italy. And then um, I love Greece. Um, We were hoping to go back there again um, in the next year. But, uh, you know, I think that and Malta just, you know, blew me away. I was just so shocked that it had an underbelly. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was with Maui. The very first time we went there. So we arrive late at night and we're on vacation and I wake up the next morning at 6 a.m. and I hear this bird like, and it's not a nice sound. It's, and I just, I remember I stumbled out of bed and I looked at it and I said, what the heck is that? And yeah. it was, it's a bird, you know, and you get yeah. used to it, but it's, yeah. it's those sounds. But I love know. researching the, the fauna and flora of the locations for sure. Yeah. Well. My daughter, my oldest daughter, she's just come back from four days in New York City. Mm. So I was telling her, I go, I'm coming over this weekend, girl. And I, I want to show you yeah. all your photos. And I yeah. will have my pen and paper ready. And you tell me, you know, what That's New York it. City is like. Yeah. yeah. And so, set a book there. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Okay, okay. So back to your, your book. <laughs> two storylines come together and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the storyline about the leak you know you've got the storyline about the leak with the pharmaceutical company and money laundering and I'm just you mentioned about the corruption earlier so how did those two ideas come to you like was there 
one storyline that was more dominant because I find that sometimes I'll be writing and I'll have one storyline that's more dominant thinking about the second and then that's when the magic happens when they Mm -hmm. so how was it for you um funny you should say that because it started with the pharma scandal and I was fortunate enough to have a fabulous interview with um a a fairly senior researcher in the pharma in Canada not in Europe and as he was telling me about the trials and the money and the you know the different stages of the trials you know there's at least eight different levels before it just goes on and on and on. I thought, oh, the what ifs. There were so many things that could go awry or, or, or you know. So that was really where I was going when I started that book. And then I went to Malta and found out what had happened with Daphne Galizia. And it was like, oh, darn, I don't want to you know, I don't want to abandon that part of the story. So I initiated that in the UK, the pharma scandal, and then blended it with the the Malta story. And that really, that really was how it happened. I was like, okay, I don't want to write two different books. So I'm going to figure out how to make these work. And I think it did. Oh, you did. It did. You you connected it so well. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So as you were talking, we're going to go off on one more little tangent, but it's about your book. <laughs> so have you found this? It came to me when you were talking about the different storylines. As the second storyline happens, did any character kind of come to more, get more of the spotlight? Because that's what's happening to me now. As I'm doing rewrites, I had this one little, I won't say little character, but as I'm writing, it's like, okay, this character, this other character is like kind of, I've been doing lots of landscaping. So coming up, you know, yeah. the soil here and have yeah. you had that? Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in Everybody Knows, um, and again, I want to say this without any spoilers. I know you've read the book, but um, I, not only more dominant, but characters that we thought were the good guy or woman uh, turned out not to be. And I did not know that until I got well into that first draft of the book. And then even, even with the revisions after the structural edit, um, a lot changed there. So um, yeah, I'm not a, um, I'm not a, a plotter. Uh, I try, I try, but I just can't. I'm definitely a discovery writer. And so that happens to me a lot. Um, Yeah, it it, it makes it challenging because I've certainly written myself into corners more than once. (laughs) You know, I think all we discovery writers have, but um, yeah, um, it did definitely um, put the spotlight on on different and what I, I was trying to think of what it was when you were speaking. I didn't want to interrupt you. The um, novella that is on my website on karendod.com for anybody who's interested in signing up for my newsletter yeah. is actually the prequel to this new series that started with Everybody Knows. And it involves three women. And one of the women, um, that decidedly changed her role in the beginning of the series. 
That's okay. all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm getting it for sure. I, I think it's I think free. I have an it's idea. Read. It's about I think it's about thirty two thousand words. So you know, it's a, a nice quick read, but it's there's lots there. So I'm getting on a ferry. I'll be reading it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a shameless self promotion, but I just wanted to explain that because when you said that about the female characters, there's one in there that definitely, yeah, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's what we got to do. We got to do, Karen. And if you're wondering again what I'm doing as I'm writing, I, as you're talking, your your things are coming to me, and I'm just making some notes for myself. Oh, yeah, so, no, that's no problem. Yeah. Okay. So I'm working on my book three, and like I said, when I finish this one, so I, I'm working on book three, and I know when I wrote book two. In my own mind, I was thinking book two has to be better than book one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was very happy when one of my um, advanced readers told me, said exactly that. You know, mm -hmm. she said, Joe, that this is better than book one. And I thought, oh, God, good. Okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. 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 You get it. And yeah. now I'm thinking book three needs to be as good as or better than book two. Okay. I can't help it. Right. So while I was reading, everybody knows, I wondered if you felt the same pressure because and I'm not I am. This is a damn good book. And I thought, well, OK, if if this had been mine, I'd be thinking now I got to try to do as good as or talk. This. Do, do you ever feel that? Oh, I feel intense pressure with every book. Okay. Um, yeah, totally. And I did make a conscious decision, even though um, the first two books in the Stone series made, you know, good, they continue to get good reviews. I really made a conscious decision in getting my UK editor, having a developmental edit for Everybody Knows, which I'm also doing with uh, The Devil's Man, the next one, as well as a copy line edit and then professional proofreading. And that really was a conscious effort for me to make sure I really, really raised the bar in the third book. The second book in the Stone Suspense series won the Chanticleer Clue Award. So I felt I felt like it had, you know, gone up a notch. I was pleased with that, but I really wanted to push it on that third book. And, and again, I give my editor full credit for it. I mean, the revisions were brutal. I worked like eight hours a day for a month, six days a week for a month. And I, you know, that, so that was a really, really conscious effort. And I hope it shows in the end product. And I'm doing the same thing with the devil's man <laughs> right yeah. now. So yeah. No, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so it's the devil's man. That's the next devil's one. Man. Yeah. And I was just going to add to that when you're talking about the pressure, I remember reading about Frank Sinatra once. I mean, I never, I have to be sorry, Frank, I didn't always love you. I never really, <laughs> wasn't really under, but I remember reading that before every performance, right up until near the end, he, he was physically ill backstage before every performance. And I thought, you know what, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good thing yeah. because boy, does that, you know, that, that says, you know, I always saw him as a little bit arrogant and, yeah. and it says something about your performance anxiety that you care that much. Right. On a totally different level, but the same message. 
when I used to be a fitness instructor, I remember like the, the um, kinesiologist who was my boss, I would tell her, you know, I've been instructing fitness classes for, I don't know, three years. And every time I go to a new one or start a new one, I said, I'm always a little nervous. Oh, sure. Always, always. Yeah. I am when I do a presentation and interview anything. Yeah. You're, thank you for making that a lot easier for me. <laughs> well, <laughs> to talk to you. well, she had said to me, she goes, Joanna, that's a good thing. Because that yeah. shows me you care. I so the very yeah. odd time I might not have been kind of on edge. I don't think I did my best work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. But yeah, I, we've all read authors that we just love that debut book. And then we're like, oh, the second one, we maybe had over expectations. And I don't want to be I don't want to be that for my readers. So Me too. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into some of the really fun questions, I have been <laughs> scribbling notes. And First note, I, I'm going to give myself a little plug here, Karen. You mentioned about uh, settings and a setting being its own character. Mm. I'm ha happy to be on, I'm a moderator on the Maple Leaf Mystery Writers Conference for all authors West. And we are going to talk about that topic. Like I had sent an email. Yeah. 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 And we're going to with a Sisters in Climb collaboration as well. Okay. With when words collide and, and a couple of other bodies in Alberta. And, and I, I hope that's going to make it to the final cut for a panel. I think yeah. setting as character is, is just so important. Well, I had talked to Mike Martin and I said, is there a specific theme or topic you want us to talk about? And he says, it's up to you. Yeah. So I, thought, so I floated it out to the authors on the panel and they, all, I said, do you want to discuss setting um, as, you know, a flavor? You know, I, I use three words, which of course I can't remember now. I, I had said flavor, maybe character and something else you know, Sense, in a novel. That smells and all of those things, the carob trees and the pomegranate and all yeah. of those. And I, it, it brings to mind another sister in crime author that you've interviewed, Karen Abramson, yes. um, very much, you know, the exotic settings I would suspect she, she thinks of as character yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 And then I cannot let you go Without, I know. I'm making sure I'm my due diligence here before we get into the fun questions, um, really fun questions. You're the president of Canada West of Sisters in Crime. Right. So I, I'm totally putting you on the spot here. Um, anything you would like to mention about our chapter, which I think is fantastic. Uh, well, I had the great good fortune of taking over from our immediate past president, Charlotte Marganti. And oh my gosh, I, I said to them, to everybody when I was nominated, just so you know, I'm not going to be <laughs> like Charlotte. She's been an amazing past president and advisor to me. And so I'm just really honored. I was vice president for two years prior to that. And, uh, and I kept telling Charlotte, don't get hit by a bus because I am not after your job. <laughs> 
But, you know, it's I, I wouldn't have met people like you, Joanna, and so many great authors. And we've grown our membership to 57. Um, so I'm really hoping. Yeah. And I think, um, honestly, a, a, a huge part of that has been our webinars and our expert speakers. So they're always open to guests, as you probably know, although we have a lot of perks for members only. And it's been from those webinars that the new members have come in for the most part. So thank you for asking about that. Yeah. And Charlotte, Charlotte Morganti was one of also, she is going to be on that panel. Yes, I know. I know. So there's so many, there's so much crossover with the different uh, collaborations we're doing. And I'm just so grateful to be part of that. Good, good. Okay. So let's get into your website. (laughs) I know you're going to ask me. I do. (laughs) So I clicked the link. Italy. I love that. And that's where I found, and I'm going to tell my husband this because he always makes our spaghetti. I found the prostitute pasta sauce. Yes. Well, please, please enlighten (laughs) us. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we, um, I'm very fortunate to have several Italian friends there among my first readers, especially because I use a lot of Italian in italics with the English translation, of course, just blend. I try to blend it in seamlessly for the reader, and, but I rely on my Italian friends for not just the literal translation, but the syntax and the context. You know, I could, I could take a phrase and I can do it on I translate, but it, you know, Anna or um, Lucy would say to me, uh, Karen and Italian would never say that. So that really is very helpful for me. Um, so one of my friends, um, Lucy, uh, I actually have a character named for her in The Devil's Man, the book that is coming out, I hope, this summer. Um, anyway, she's from Northern Italy, and she introduced me to pasta alla putinesta, uh, horror's pasta. Um <laughs> So, so it is prostitutes pasta, but somehow pasta a la putanesca sounds so much more exotic. Yes. And, um, Naples claims to have that it started there. Um, but I think the other Italian cities would say, no, it, it was ours. And it came about because when prostitutes were working in between their jobs, um, they could run into the kitchen and make pasta sauce with everything they had left over in the fridge or the, the pantry or whatever back then. And so it was, they could make it quickly between customers. Um, they could use whatever they had went into it yeah. and it became uh, pasta putinesque. <laughs> and so the recipe is on my website under Italy on the blog. <laughs> That's great. It's that's great. I it's actually really easy to make and it's fun and it's good and you can you can substitute anything for it. Just yeah. don't don't be doing the jobs in between the recipe. You may end up with burnt pasta. <laughs> that's where that came from. Okay. Okay. Final fun question, and um, we will get all your social media too. But the final fun question. I really do have a blast with this. After I read a book and I think, okay, how can I, how can I work this, right? So Nico meets you for an, an espresso at a coffee shop. So I can just imagine he crosses his legs and sits back. And what does he say to you, Karen? 
All right. So if you're thinking of a younger Stanley Tucci now, um, first of all, he'd probably be having a Negroni, but I'll, I'll go with the coffee shop in the espresso. And I think he would sit back with that impish grin of his and he'd say, Cara, dear sweetheart, whatever. What is it about you that is drawn to investigating anything that has a 100% chance of ending badly? I think he would say that. And the reason I say that is um, he has a he has a somewhat bombastic relationship in the next book, the fourth book, The Devil's Man, that's going to tie both the series together um, with a a Canadian investigative reporter. She comes back from the Stone series and joins Nico in the fourth book. Okay, I'm going to be reading the first series now. <laughs> this is awesome. Wow. Well, I left, I left the second book in that series literally on a cliffhanger. And um, it may or may not have been a good thing to do. I had a well-known Seattle author say, oh, Karen, he's at Surrey International all the time. And he said, oh, Karen, you shouldn't have done that. And I know, I'm like, I know. I had finished the book. It was all done. I'd written the end. And I woke up the next morning and I added a five word sentence and it was a cliffhanger. And then as time went on, I didn't feel that protagonist and that series speaking to me anymore. And so I started the Nicolo Moretti series. And then my editor actually suggested in this fourth book that I might want to join the two together. And that's what I'm doing. What? Yeah. Wow. So Jordan Stone uh, makes a cameo appearance and Stanley Tucci, <laughs> no Nico Moretti, has that bombastic. So I could see him sitting back and saying to her, yeah. what, what is it that you are just drawn to? Anything that is guaranteed to end badly. What You're going to put yourself out there. <laughs> what a fabulous answer. Wow. <laughs> you know, that is the one question which I absolutely love asking because the answers are all, all over. Map. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I looked back on the draft of the book that's with my editor now and I thought, well, how does that end? Maybe yeah. I could say that without a spoiler, but it 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 does it wouldn't do the job. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I've got you here. <laughs> Deal. See, because like right now with my heroine, she's making some bad mistakes. Like she's making some mistakes. Like she's, and she's going to get a little bit in trouble with the law society. How do you, how do you feel about, but because of that, there's this growth that happens for her and it, she goes, she goes in a direction, which as an author, I thought, yes, yes. And I'm telling myself, buckle up, because I, I know where like I know where we're going. Right, right. So how do you feel? Like I know like some authors would say, well, yes, you, you gotta make your characters human. Um do you what I'm more concerned with is how the reader may take it that this heroine 
is making some bad mistakes. Like I think you you put you nailed it when you said, but it leads to some phenomenal growth for her. And the reason I say that, Joanna, is um, if I had any, even in good reviews, like four or five star reviews, with the first two Stone Suspense, especially the first one, I had some readers who reviewed it so well said, oh, Jordan, the, the female protagonist, it, like, I just want to smack her because she kept doing the same stupid things. Like, it's like, don't go into that room, right? Or don't put yourself in that position. And when I looked at that, because I read my reviews, I get a lot of, um, I feel that's where my growth needs to be from. And I looked at that really seriously. And, and I thought, yeah, you know, she, she was doing the same stupid things. It wasn't leading to growth. I like characters that are on the edge ethically or even legally, but as you said, there has to be some really tangible growth and, and, and it's gotta be, why would she put herself in that position? Why would she do something unethical or bordering on illegal? Yeah. Right. Make it believable. So I, I like doing that, but I learned my lesson from those reviews to make sure I do it well. And I, I was very conscious of that when I was writing this fourth book, the devil's man with Jordan Stone coming back in because she needs to have more agency. She needs to be less naive. She needs to not keep doing the same stupid things. And if she's tempted to, Nico keeps her on track. And that was part of what I thought he would say to her or me. Coffee, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I would, I would do it. Just be careful how you do it. You know, I'm just thinking I could even have a character. (laughs) I have this character. His name is Norman. And he's like a second father, a father to Jade. And maybe if she starts getting into trouble <laughs> prosecuting, Norman's going to tell her she's going to start doing conveyancing. Right? If she doesn't smart yeah. up. <laughs> Were you always this stupid? <laughs> right. So she's probably, as long as the reader has something that they know yeah. that you're aware yeah. that this is right on the yeah. edge without beating them over the head with it. Yeah. And then you've, you've got the, yeah. And then you have the internal conflict, especially if she's thinking, no, I shouldn't do this. Yes. I want to do it. No, that's yeah. Right. But if we all listen to that, no, I shouldn't do it. There'd never be a very intriguing story or adventure. So yeah. 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 So I, I remember thinking when I read those reviews at first, I thought, well, if she didn't do this, you know, where would the story go? And then I realized that wasn't, that wasn't the issue. As the author, I needed to strengthen the reasons for her doing things that would appear to be out of character. That's great advice. That's great writing advice. That's why I read my reviews. I know people say, don't read your review. I read every single one of them. Okay. Good to know. Okay, Karen, I've, (laughs) I've kept you here. Oh, the dog is sleeping. He's been fairly oh, good. <laughs> so where can people find you on the socials? Oh, so KarenDodd.com is my website and my social connections are there. I tend to be mostly um, on my Facebook author page. I don't even use my my profile. I have a banner up there saying welcome, but 
I don't engage with me here, go there. <laughs> and I've got a Facebook uh, thrills and chills uh, reader, private reader group. Okay. Um, and there's a link to that on there as well. And Instagram, um, you know, I do have a Twitter account, Joanna, but I have to admit, I, I'm just not, it's just not my thing. And I'm not active on it. And I'm very active on Goodreads and BookBub. And those links are on my website right on the top as well. Yeah. Okay. And no, I don't do Twitter. It's interesting what authors gravitate to because I'm more Instagram. Yeah. I do have a Facebook author page now. So I'll be, that's where I'll be posting this podcast. Okay. Yeah. And I can share from there as well. And I'll be posting it on my Instagram account as well. Right. You've got some fabulous, I mean, this is what, uh, what episode is this number? Uh, I believe oh, you said it at the beginning. No, no, I don't. I actually, I don't think a I lot did. under your belt. I was looking on your website. They're fabulous. Good. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. This is episode 79. Wow. And it, you know, it's. And you had my hero, Sam Weeb, just a little while ago. I love Sam. Well, I've been taking his course and, you know, it's it's really good and it's helped me through that course and talking about characters another character like I said it has come out of the the woodwork in my story and it's just like oh wow okay well a shameless plug for sisters in crime and Sam Weave he is moderating and part of our panel on uh private investigators in May yeah, Excellent. with Shoshona Friedman. Excellent. Uh, Friedman, wonderful author, and Sam, and a private investigator that used to be with the RCMP, but now has his own investigative uh, company service. So, and Sam will be an amazing moderator for that. Okay, yeah. I want to make sure I sign up for that. That's for sure. Yeah, and guests, guests are welcome. The recordings are always just for our members, but guests are absolutely welcome. And I haven't got the date right in front of me, but it's in May and it's on the Sisters uh, in Crime Canada West website. Excellent, excellent. Karen, this has been a blast. Oh. I was, like I said, I, I may have been a little overexcited in the beginning, right? Because oh. I just, I really did so enjoy a book. And, well, thank uh, you for taking yeah. the time to read it and yeah. for inviting me on. It, it, you just made it so easy to chat and uh, I've really enjoyed myself. Oh, good. Good. That's that's good to hear from a podcaster. <laughs> Aussie's been perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's been pretty good. Um, so, Karen, have a good day. Thank you, Joanna. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.